Well, we have one more week of Wesley on the percussions. Wesley, it's not that far to commute down here from Nashville. It really isn't. <laughs> but we, we thank you. This morning we're in John chapter 12. We'll look at the last uh, eight or nine verses there. And our passage last week, Jesus revealed to us how to be of service in his kingdom. And he basically told us, he said, you got to die to yourself. you got to die to your own wants and desires. And in comparison, you got to hate the life in this flesh when you compare it to how you should love God. <coughs> Loving God, serving God, committing your life to God gives you eternal rewards. Most of us, self-included, battle a me-first attitude in everything that comes our way. How does this affect me? Recession, how does that affect me? Times of prosperity, how does that affect me? And move, a new job, all these different things, our first concern usually is, how does it affect me? The circumstance of life kind of forces upon us. But if you're anything like me, every now and again, I grow weary of praying selfishly. You ever do that? I have made promises to the Lord. Lord, that's it. I'm not going to pray for anything for myself. And I'll usually last a day or two. <laughs> Personal desires seem to take over. And I fall back on my request and ask God to intervene in my life, and he's faithful. But Jesus wants us, as his disciples, to put aside our selfish wants. And that takes practice. you got to work at that. We're to look at the big picture of following Jesus. Jesus is now in his last hours before the cross. We read that he becomes troubled. He's troubled because he knows what awaits him. He's to die on a Roman cross. And the death of a cross, uh, he can't escape knowing what's going to happen to him. We... As his followers and believers should never look upon the cross casually. We can grow accustomed to the knowledge that Jesus died on the cross and not truly down inside be appreciative of the sacrifice that Jesus made. I was having lunch with a friend of mine and a couple friends of mine this week, and we got talking about church issues, and this, this fellow, he began to tear up as he spoke about his conversion when he got saved. And I said, that's so good. He still has that 
emotion of what it was like to come to Jesus. And that was, that was good to see in this fellow. Jesus was compelled to suffer the cross at the will of the Father for all of mankind. And we're told that he hated the shame of the cross, yet he goes to the cross. So let's move on to John chapter 12, verse 42 through 50. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light unto the world, that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. These series of verses that close out chapter 12 here, you could take any verse and make it into a sermon. And as we read, Jesus cries out. When he gives his last public teaching, he's not doing it in a calm, quiet, sitting position, which most teachers assumed then. He's crying out. Jesus is shouting at the crowd, at his listeners. And we're told that many of the rulers, they secretly believe in him but they do not confess their belief. As Christians, sometimes we can feel pressured or, or peer pressure to be silent. We can do that out of a fear of rejection or even in some cases retaliation, people taking offense and taking a grudge against us. But the early Jewish rulers, they fear to identify with Jesus. And the reason is, if you identified with Jesus, the word has already come down from the Jewish rulers, the high priest, and so forth. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to be kicked out of synagogue. Now that was a complete change. Your social life your economic life would take on a great suffering because nobody would then deal with you in business because you were not of them. 
And to confess Jesus as Messiah, it carried this heavy social consequence. To identify with Jesus usually meant poverty because people would not do business deals with you. As Christians today, we are looked upon by many as naive or simply dumb. Have you ever heard you Christians, uh, you just use your Christianity as a crutch? Well, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. And we're told that many times we're the problem with a progressive society. Whenever Lori and I travel, it's like our eyes get opened up and we receive the view of unbelievers and how our beliefs are not acceptable but offensive. We're offensive to unbelievers. To the point where many Christians are considered the troublemakers of our society. We're troublemakers because of our rigid biblical beliefs of Jesus. In Jesus' day, these silent believers, some of them rulers, they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. And sometimes we have to understand that. That we're not going to be looked upon favorably by society. Jesus said, if they hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. And none of us like to be hated, but it's it goes with identifying with Jesus many times. The praises of men cause many, well, let me say, cause most of these silent believers of Jesus' day to revert back to their Jewish laws and heritage and beliefs. I think it's critical for us as believers to confess our beliefs. Lest we find ourselves slipping back into silence and unbelief. There's a story that goes about a, a young little boy and he sees one of these street preachers. The guy's standing there on the curb and he's preaching and he's going on and on. And the little boy looks around and nobody's stopping and nobody's listening to this preacher. And so he says to the guy, why are you preaching? No one is listening. The man preaching said, it's good for me to hear myself proclaim Jesus. What a story that is. It's good for us to hear ourselves proclaiming Jesus. In verse 44, we read that Jesus raises his voice, crying out. Jesus, knowing that his hour has come, he's wanting to make sure the people hear him. So 
which was not usual for him. He is lifting his voice. He's almost shouting at the people. His last words are loud words to this crowd. And like I said, it's unusual for Jesus to teach in this matter. He is persistently shouting to those who will listen. He must be heard. Jesus shouting demands that they pay attention. Have you ever, I know you have, have you ever been to a church where the preacher yelled at you? <laughs> I'm not a yeller. <laughs> the people on the front row, they get a lot of spit coming their way from the yellers. Notice nobody on the front row. <laughs> but Jesus has a message. It's a plain message. It's a simple message. And it's about him and being one with God the Father. Him being one with the Holy Spirit and God the Father. And to separate Jesus from God the Father means you reject the Father. Now, they didn't want to hear this. Jesus says in verse 45, He who sees me sees him who sent me. And the Jewish leaders, the high priest and many of the Sanhedrin, constantly tried to act as though they believed in God the Father but not in Jesus. And Jesus says you can't do that. You can't have it that way. And he's loudly proclaiming this. He's loudly proclaiming the unity of himself and the one who sent him, God the Father. Now, in today's world, the Muslims and the Jews try to separate the Godhead. They try to act as though all believed in the same, similar way. Uh, look, we have so much in common. That is a ploy of the Muslim religion of today. And we hear from them that, well, all of our religions began with Abraham. Abraham, the father of faith, the father of the Jews, the father of the Muslims, and by the way, the father of you Christians. Tell them no. Did I say no? No, that's not true. Jews and Muslims do not accept Jesus as God. The similarities break right there. Whenever I'm in a conversation with any person of another religion, I purposely try to lead that point of conversation to the deity of Jesus. Let's get on the same page as my thought. Do you recognize Jesus as God? And if you don't, then we really don't have much we can even talk about. Apart from Jesus, regardless of your claims to believe in God, is deception. Jesus constantly tells us he 
and the Father are one. And here in this passage, Jesus could not have been more plain. He could not have been more straightforward. And if you reject and do not believe in Jesus, he says, I'm not going to judge you. My words will judge you. For Jesus says he did not come to judge the world, but to be the savior of the world. Jesus has been faithful right up to the end to speak and declare what God the Father has told him to say. And he's doing it here in this last public teaching that he does. He's doing it very loud in a very direct way. And Jesus doesn't want anybody to miss what he shouts out. The words of Jesus they give everlasting life, and they give life to the whosoever, the whosoever that will believe. And he's also very clear, there's no everlasting life apart from myself. That's narrow. And don't look upon it as being narrow, look upon it as being there is a way. We have a way and it's through Jesus. Jesus is singular savior of this world and sent to the world by God the Father. And this message that Jesus cries out, he shouts it out in a loud voice. And these last uh, verses of chapter 12, Jesus gives us eternal life if we simply believe. So as believers, it's vital that we believe and confess our belief in Jesus. And don't be like the many Jews who believed in Jesus, but were silent. It's critical for us to confess in Jesus, believe his words, because many of the religions of this world today, people simply walk in darkness seeking truth. And they deny Jesus. Many of the world religions try to come to God the Father apart from Jesus. And as believers, we understand Jesus is the one who separates. He divides between joint and marrow, between heart and feelings. And many try to come to God the Father away apart from Jesus, for they do not understand or believe in Jesus. You can mention God to someone, and they aren't necessarily offended. But when you declare Jesus is God, the only Savior of this world, people become offended. They don't want to hear that. I have a little question I will pose to unbelievers. And it's simply this. Jesus was either God, the Savior of the world, or he was a liar. 
you choose which way he was. Is he savior or is he a liar? And you force that person to consider who Jesus is. Now, I'm sure of myself and I'm sure of you that salvation, and you know this, only comes through Jesus our Lord. The disciples that walked with Jesus came to this understanding after the resurrection of Jesus. These were 12 that Jesus prayed over, hand-picked disciples, and they had trouble believing Jesus was equal to God. Even the disciples. And they asked Jesus, Hey, show us the Father and that will be enough. Thomas openly declared, Unless I put my hand in his side and where he was pierced, unless I touch the nail scars in his hands or wrists, I will not believe. Jesus later finds Thomas after the resurrection, and he commands Thomas, Come here, Thomas, put your hand into my side where they pierce me. Touch the nail scars. And Thomas, he's embarrassed because of his unbelief. However, Thomas makes a declaration after touching Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus himself said, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And I read these verses, these last verses of chapter 12, and I marvel at how plain, how straightforward Jesus was when he taught. And I also marvel at how out of character it was for Jesus to cry out, to shout at those that he was teaching. But you and I, we joined the disciples, for we too believe after the resurrection of Jesus. What a blessing it is to realize the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.